Welcome to the JDS Podcast, a place to discuss happenings and exciting topics in our school community. Sue, it's really great to be able to sit today and discuss a little bit about college guidance and the college process. And it's a fortuitous time to be having this discussion because our seniors at JDS are in the midst of their application season and the due dates for many of those applications is November 1st. And so it's an exciting time to be having this conversation. It certainly is. And I'm I'm excited to be able to do it with you. So I, you know, I wanted to start, we've had the pleasure of working together for, for 10 years now, and it's really been a pleasure and I've learned so much from you. I wanted to ask how you got started in college guidance, what attracted you to the field, and then if you could share a little bit about what attracted you to JDS and why did you decide to come work here? Okay, I would say I followed the path that many educators followed who decided to go into college counseling. I started out as a teacher in the classroom, and while I enjoyed teaching, I I think it was sort of hard to see my students making decisions, because I taught seniors, making their decisions to move into college, and I kind of wanted to have my fingers into it so I could have some input. And that sort of was the impetus to begin moving into the counseling side of things. I also was very fascinated about the idea of working through financial aid, and I had done some work with the U.S. Department of Education's financial aid office, and that was another reason that going on to the counseling side made a lot of sense to me. Uh, What attracted me to JDS initially was the idea that there had not really been a college guidance department until I was hired. So it gave me an opportunity to start something from the ground up. And that's always very appealing. I'm sure you, you can relate to that if you've gone to a place where there's no one that has preceded you. So you're able to put your mark on something right from the beginning. And you certainly built an incredible college guidance department at the school, and I want to talk about that a little bit, but before we go there, I I wanted to hear how the college process has changed in in the last 10, 15 years. You know, you've been involved in the field for a long time, and so how has it changed? Well, I've actually been in college counseling, this is my 37th year, so to go back to the very beginning, it was in the days when Colleges were very predictable. And I would say most students probably were looking to apply to five, six, or seven schools and could feel fairly comfortable they would get into most or all of them. Now it is such a toss-up and such an unpredictable landscape that it's making the job of college counseling more challenging, but it's also keeping it definitely interesting because you can never predict from one year to the next or, or one application to the next what's going to happen. And, and that's, there's a little bit of anxiety that is attached to that, but there's also a little bit of, wow, I can't wait to see what's around the corner and maybe think about what's going to be happening in the future. And we, we've certainly seen, and I know you and I have discussed this a lot, uh, the impact of COVID and and also some of the changing practices uh, among colleges, uh, whether or not they require tests or not. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what you've been seeing in the last year or two. Well, it, it's actually very interesting. Uh, there was a little bit of movement prior to COVID to 
for colleges to decide whether or not they wanted to become test optional. There have been colleges for many, many years that have been test optional and they've been very successful at it. But I think the majority of colleges, and I would say the vast majority, had always felt that they needed that standardized test as the national equalizer because there's so many different grading systems and so many different ways that schools look at students that the standardized test was in theory a commonality. But I think as they started to see that there were some inherent biases in the test and that it was disadvantaging some students over others, that colleges started looking. And I do think that COVID kicked it over the edge because there was no way students could test because they couldn't leave home. Schools were closed, test centers were closed. As a result, and, and the, the, the jury is still out on this, by the way, colleges are starting to see that they are actually admitting the same caliber of classes that they were admitting when they were using standardized testing as, as one of the criteria. So as we move further away from standardized testing, I think you're going to find that more and more colleges are saying, you know, we've gone three years without it now. Maybe we can try for four. Maybe we can try for five. There are many colleges that are looking right now year to year. They still are saying, we're test optional this year. We'll let you know about next year. But quite a few have made the leap to say we're test optional at least until 2025 or 2026. With that in mind, they're going to have some very good longitudinal data to be able to say, wow, we're admitting strong classes and we don't need test scores to do that. And I've seen among JDS students, those who submit scores and, and those mm -hmm. who don't. So we're seeing both practices in the school. I, and I do think that, that students, and, and this is the advice we're giving students, is go ahead and take the standardized test, then the, you have choices. You can choose whether you want to submit those test scores, and you can choose by college, or you can choose, I'm going to submit them everywhere, or you can say, I'm not going to send them anywhere. So like many things at the school, we have a really wonderful approach to college guidance. And when I talk to people in the community about, about what we're doing, and particularly about the successes that we have, I often talk about the fact that our students don't just go to a handful of colleges and universities, but every year we see students uh, attending 40 plus colleges and, and universities. And, and it makes me feel really proud of the individual process that you and your team uh, go through with the students. And I, I wanted to ask, and so we can share with our community, um, what's the process like at, 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 in terms of what your department does and, and how do you work with the students individually and their families? I think the, the key is what you just said. We, we look at every student as an individual. There's no cookie cutter approach to college counseling when you're in an independent school, but I think definitely at JDS, because so many of our students have such variety of interest and uh, ability levels and particular criteria that matter to them. So we start off by doing uh, questionnaires with our juniors, and then we also do an extensive questionnaire with our junior parents, because we get a really good sense of who that student is from those two questionnaires. Then moving towards the college conference itself and beyond, we start to know the students really well. We, we learn their quirks, we learn what, what really matters to them rather than what maybe they say on paper the first time through. That all of a sudden I've started visiting schools and once I visited I realized, no, this isn't a type of school for me, but that type is for me. 
we try very hard to make sure that our students have a very realistic approach. We never say never. Uh, I would never want to say to a student, I don't think you should be applying here because it's too big of a stretch for you. Nor would I say, you shouldn't be looking in this direction, you should be looking in that direction. We want this to be student-driven. It's a very um, individualized process, and the students need to be the ones who are individualizing it. We, we have a lot of back and forth with this, but I don't want to put my biases on a student. I want my students to be able to evolve into where they're applying. We feel that our role in this is to make them aware of what their chances are of being admitted to the schools they're applying to, not that they shouldn't be applying. Yeah, and one of the things that I've seen in, in the years uh, at the school is, is that we have a lot of advanced metrics and tools mm -hmm. that we can share with the families. They have access to all of the data of mm -hmm. accepted students, both generally and from JDS. And, when they get their Naviance accounts, they can really see where they fall, but then as you say, they make individual decisions about which schools they are gonna to apply to and, and which are the best fits for them and, and what they're doing. You know, one of the changes in the last couple of years is, is that you've had a change in, in the counselors, and we've been so fortunate to have such great counselors. Um, how are you finding your new team? Who are they? Who are, what, what do they bring to the process? What are maybe some new insights that we're learning from them? Uh, well, I feel very happy with the team we have right now. Uh, from last year, we added Jerry Sliffman to our team. Jerry is our part-time counselor. She came to us with more than 40 years of counseling experience. She's worked on the college side. She was an independent counselor for a period of time, and then she's worked in the school setting. Um, we also added this year Rachel Jacobs, who came to us from the high school side as well, spending 10 years at National Cathedral School, but she also had experience on the college side. So what I find when we add new members to the team, obviously we're losing expertise and we're losing the knowledge that those people had, but with the new team, we're also gaining pieces of it. I, I feel that anytime someone comes in, it's a good time for us to reassess where we are, what, how we do things, why we do what we do. Are there some things that we should be dropping? Are there some things we should be adding? And I rely on the experience and expertise of the new people coming in to help make our team stronger, to make it more cohesive, and also to help generate new ideas and new policies that are gonna make us even bigger and stronger in the long run. Yeah, and so for our, our families who have already gone through this process a little bit, um, but might have uh, a, a younger child who will go mm -hmm. through it, um, what might they see that's different in the, in the next year or so? Well, one thing that we're adding, and I'm, I'm actually very excited about this, is beginning with this year's ninth grade class, our department is going to be doing the, all the academic advising for grades, rising grades 10, 11, and 12. And I think what that's going to add to our department is an opportunity for us to start to get to know the students earlier in the process. And it's also going to give us the opportunity to help shape their curriculum that's going to advantage them the best when they're applying to colleges. So it's an exciting time. It will be a little bit different, and we're going to find 
it, a few growing pains probably, but in the long run, we feel that it's going to pay big dividends for us, primarily in giving us that opportunity to start getting to know the students better earlier. Yeah. You know, uh, one of the questions that I get a lot uh, from families is, what's changed from when I went through this process? and. Um, how different is the landscape 30 years later when my children are, are going through the process? And I wonder if there's any insights that you want to share with parents about what might have changed and also how the current landscape is different from the landscape they experienced when they were applying to college. I think one of the things that is the biggest shocker to parents as they're preparing for their own children to go to school is they they would find it virtually impossible to get into the colleges they were admitted to when they were applying to college. And that has nothing to do with their own intelligence level and everything to do with how competitive the entire process has become. There was a huge uh, influx of graduating seniors over the past decade and a half that has totally changed the landscape. Add to that the influx of colleges reaching further and further away to attract students and to attract students who traditionally had never applied to colleges. So there's been a wealth of students, but colleges are not sitting around saying, oh, we would like to, to have these students, but we haven't added any space on our campus. We're still admitting the same number, but the number of applications has skyrocketed at colleges, so much to the point that they don't know what to think about it. They're, they're as perplexed by it as almost everybody else. Now, if there is a silver lining in all of this, supposedly by 2026, 2027, the colleges are calling it, we're going to hit the cliff and we're going to drop, drop off the other side because the number of high school graduates is supposed to be declining rather dramatically. So if everybody can just tread water until 2026, and if the colleges can stay afloat at the same time, there may be a time when college admissions is not looking at numbers like we're admitting 3%, 4%, 5%, 10%, that we really are starting to need students to apply. That's our biggest dream. Right. Uh, something else that's changed a lot uh, is the landscape on college campuses, yes. uh, particularly as it relates to the Jewish communities mm -hmm. on campus. And you know what I've seen is schools that didn't have large Jewish communities or didn't have active uh, Hillel mm -hmm. programs or even Chabad programs today have thriving mm -hmm. Jewish life and in so many uh, different areas and that's super exciting. I know you know for a lot of our families and a lot of our students one of the things that's really important to them is what's Jewish life going to be like on campus and I, I don't know as you reflect on your conversations this year how do you address that conversation with a, a high school uh, senior right who may be for the first time thinking about what Jewish life will look like outside of their parents' home. Well, it's, it's interesting because one of the questions we ask on this gigantic questionnaire that we do is how important is Jewish life to you? And the parents will typically give a very robust response because they've had their children in day school, from, for many of them, for the entire uh, academic life and they have rather strong opinions. The students, on the other hand, sometimes will say, uh, it's not very important, I just need a Hillel. 
and, and they don't realize that that makes it important to begin with. But I think that colleges are starting to realize that they have not admitted a homogenous population. And one of the things that has become apparent to them is that they have to be sure they're meeting the needs of the whole child. And that can include and should include their own religious beliefs and how they're going to be able to observe those religious beliefs on their, on their campuses. So there's been a bigger push to make sure that, that there's good, strong Jewish life on campuses for students. But we all know that there's also a, a great deal of anti-Semitism and anti-Israel sentiment uh, in the entire country. It isn't just on college campuses. I do think that one thing JDS does remarkably well is teach our students how to advocate for themselves in a polite manner, that they are not the student who's going to go out there and say, this is the way things have to be, but they are willing to engage in dialogue. And I think that's going to help them considerably when they're looking at colleges where there may be a fair amount of anti-Jewish sentiment. And you don't ever know when that might pop up, even on a campus that has not been anti-Semitic, may all of a sudden next month have, have amazing protests. You just don't know. So I think it's important that we prepare our students for it. We recommend when our students visit college campuses that they visit Hillel's. We have quite a few colleges that offer a, a Shabbaton for the students, and we encourage them to take advantage of that when they can because it gives them an opportunity to see what Jewish life is like in a Friday Saturday setting, not just what you read in a guidebook. Yes, and and I know many of our students have done that. Mm -hmm. Another uh, area that comes up to me a lot is I often receive emails from the executive directors of Hillel yes. houses all over the country, yes. telling me about what great leaders mm -hmm. the JDS mm -hmm. students are. So yes. they they really are prepared, and and some of them are are leading against combating anti-Semitism mm -hmm. and. Um, in Israel awareness on campus, and we're really proud of them for that. You know, beyond the, the, the college guidance work that you do, there are other aspects of, of your work. And uh, a couple of days ago, or yesterday actually, I introduced you to the senior uh, shaliach yes. at the Jewish Federation, who had yes. asked about uh, our involvement with gap year yes. uh, programs. So I, I wanted to ask, like, what are you seeing these days? Who, who's visiting JDS's campus to speak to our kids? not just about college, but about other programs that are going on. We, we actually have a, a rather active group that, that comes in every year. We, several years ago, prior to COVID, we were conducting gap year fairs. This year, uh, Massah Israel, which has been our umbrella co-partner in this for the past few years before COVID, is conducting a virtual fair. But in addition to that, we, we run the gamut. We will have uh, gap year programs that have very little uh, religious affiliation all the way to students who want to be at a yeshiva or seminary studying all day, every day. And we find that we don't have a huge percentage of our student body uh, participating in gap years, but we have a big enough percentage that we're excited that we can offer this as an opportunity to them. I, I'm curious to see how this year will fall out because we're not quite sure how this is the, we, we call them our COVID class because this was the class that went out uh, with COVID in freshman year, that how many of them 
want to just move on with their lives or find some sense of normalcy or how many of them are still willing to look at gap years. This is the time of year that they start thinking about it. Right now, they've been involved in the college application process, which is why most of the gap year programs that come to visit the school don't come until early to mid-November because they realize that the students just aren't there yet, but they will be. So as, as we move to sort of wrap up our time together, uh, one of the things that I've observed and you've shared with me is uh, one of the most fulfilling aspects are the relationships that you form uh, with students and their families. And so um, maybe for our, our last conversation topic is I'd, I'd love to hear just your reflections on those relationships and, and what they've meant. I, I have met some amazing people and I, people who still stay in touch with us. For example, just today, I received an email from a parent from a long time ago who's very active in Hillel and does a great deal of connecting our school and our department to Hillel's across the country, introducing me by mail to the new executive director of Hillel at Towson University. And so I reached out and we'll be having a conversation, but this is all because a former parent is taking the initiative to make sure that we're aware this is happening. I, I do think too that we try to form strong relationships with families. We are very happy when we see the second and the third child in the same family because we've gotten to know the family. It isn't just knowing the student because in order to know the student well, you have to know what the parent process is as well, what, what the parents are thinking, what their wishes are, and, and kind of, a, it's a bit of a balancing act sometimes. But overall, um, and I can say even from, from when we were at the gala the other evening, seeing so many families that used to be my students, uh, be able to come and talk with them and know that they still are connected with us. I have a parent of a, of, who contacted me just this past week wanting to have a conversation with me because she wants to share with me experience that her child had uh, Jewishly on our college campus and she thinks that it would be something that would be beneficial to me, which it really will be. So we try to keep close contact with our families. That's right. important. It's a testament to the work that you and the whole team do that the students want to come back yes. and share with you and, and their yes. families as well. So it's been a pleasure to catch up today and I yes. really appreciate it. It's Thank you. you. I've enjoyed it. Take care. Thank you for listening. This has been a production of the Charles E. Smith Jewish Day School. Stay tuned for our next episode.